What is good, America? It's your boy Sherman Obed back here once again, bringing you another fantastic episode here on What's the Word Entertainment. We've been out for a bit, but now we're fully back in action. Obed, good to see you. Have you back here, sir? How goes it, man? Fantastic. Staying alive. Ah, 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 ah. Staying alive. How about yourself? <laughs> you know I me. Mean? I'm trying to fight that good fight. Stay alive as well, my friend. You know. Um, glad to have you back. You know, we were out for a bit. We were definitely getting back in the mix. Um, got a couple of returning guests joining us again this week. Uh, we got Chris live from Pennsylvania. What's good with you, man? Oh, city, city of brotherly love. Not showing a lot of love right now, Sherman. Everyone's kind of locked down, uh, hanging out. But, you know, we're all staying safe and healthy. I hope everyone your way is as well, sir. And we got another returning guest in a new coming us to, uh, to us live from New York. I know it's popping out there in the streets with this old nonsense. Well, not really popping, but, you know, it's crazy out there, I should say, in New York. But how are you, how you holding up, sir? You mean popping the other way, man, <laughs> on a decline, right? right, <laughs> you right, know? right. But, yo, salute to you guys, man. I'm doing good. Just trying to stay healthy and happy, keep my immune system live and direct, and, you know, here for you guys right now and anybody listening. Yep, I feel you, man. Good to have you on again. So, yeah, so we're going to be talking about a couple different things. We will um, get into our usual sports and entertainment talk show this week again. Um, probably going to be going a little more exclusive route this week, as we all know. Uh, a couple of things uh, have been happening around the world and in sports. Uh, but we'll get back to our normally scheduled programming next next episode. We're talking about everything from football, baseball, basketball, and so on. But this week, kind of really wanted to talk about um, the impact uh, a little bit on the coronavirus has had on sports. Um, as we all know, have, sports has been part, what suspended in, you know, since what I think March or early, early March. Now, no baseball has not started. Basketball was interrupted. Um, hockey as well too. Um, Obed, I'll, I'll go to you first. You know, it's just been, it's just been a, you know, a nationwide impact, you know, a worldwide impact, I guess, or we should say, even, you know, professional soccer as well, too, international soccer, which I know you're a fan of. Just kind of, if you can quickly just, you know, speak on, you know, how it really affects sports as a whole, whether it's from the financial side, which is from a fan base, you know, what is your thoughts and really, you know, and how can we really get past this situation here? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's a, it's a you know, like they, the, beating a dead horse, unprecedented times, right? You keep hearing that all the time. Uh, and it's true. You know, uh, you look at uh, international rules of football where, you know, some teams have opted to uh, shut down operations, get rid of all of their staff, not pay them. Uh, Liverpool got into some hot water because literally the mantra, like their their slogan is, you never walk alone. Yet they told their employees that you're about to walk alone until enough uh, uh, public um, uh, vilification came through and they decided that they were going to continue those individual salaries. Now, some teams are trying to keep this going, thinking that, hey, if, if things get ramped back up, we're back out in July. Teams are doing like small grouped uh, uh, practices, small group training where it's not too many people together. So they're, you know, trying to limit the spread. Um, but then you have other sports like the NFL, which has, you know, now that they're on the cusp of a new CBA, a new season that's going to have different playoff rules, uh, you know, they've got the draft coming up, said that they're going to stick with the draft is on Thursday they're moving full steam ahead with the anticipation that they're going to be there uh, there's just so much money on the line um, you know we had the N uh, NBA I believe all the players got their contracts paid in full while we have no idea how many games are going to play or honestly at this point if it's even worth some of them, up the some of them got paid in so, uh, up front even before the season started 
Wow. You know, I mean, the foresight there, right? Like what, what's about to happen, what's coming down the pipeline and just go ahead and pay them off. Uh, it, it's it's interesting times. I think everyone's kind of hedging their bets because we know we can't keep the economy closed forever. We're just trying to be safe right now. But people are losing money every single day to the tune of billions of dollars. Uh, I just saw that um, Sycamore was a company that was going to just buy out Victoria's Secret, has opted to not go through with that acquisition and I'm because I'm sure they're bleeding money right now. Um, so it's a tough time. I, I think everybody kind of just the, the and even the the mental health aspect of it, like some people just need sport, right? Just missing sport. I, I think it, when we get into talking about this documentary, about how much we've missed it so much that we needed something like this at this time. It's, it's just crazy how, like you said, we just miss having sports on TV, being able to watch that or or attend it live and in person. Chris, I'll just go to you quickly here. Do you think we will see sports again in 2020 or it's pretty much at a foregone conclusion? We're done for the year, just maybe as a precautionary measure and we will return next year. No, I absolutely uh, disagree, Sherman. I definitely think we'll see sports again in 2020 um, with some parameters set in place. I mean, you even look at guys like Dana White, you know, uh, president and owner of the UFC, trying to spearhead that, doing whatever he could to solidify a, a venue here in April. And unfortunately, that fell through. It's supposed to be on an Indian reservation that is not subject to the federal laws of the government. Um, people need sports, like Obed said, and things need to get back to some sense of normalcy. To be honest, though, I've been saying this for years, you are seeing continued decline in in-person um, attraction of all major sports, hockey, football, basketball, baseball, the at game attendance is going down. Why? Because it's so much more advantageous now to watch it at home on the comfort of your own couch, have a beer two feet away from you and only pay a dollar for it versus $11 and be able to have a bathroom accessible at any time you want. And to be honest, professional sports are not the most fan friendly environments to take a family. If you want to spend two, $300 to go see something live. And now we're going to see this is only going to exponentially grow that market, grow the fact that people are going to be indulging in sports and getting sports at whatever cost they can, but they're going to do it from the um, remote access from their home. You know, I would actually agree with you, Chris, because um, quite frankly, I'm one of those folks who actually enjoy watching certain events at home in the comfort of my house, on my couch with my big screen TV, instead of being at a bar or restaurant trying to look at a TV, they know it's 40 feet away, have my next training, you know what I mean? Where I can, you know, sit in my house, come through, I can pause live TV if I need to, want to take a break, like you said, take your restroom break, go get some food, things like that. So yeah, I would kind of agree with you. So the decline is is there a little bit. Um, moving on, you know, just as far as, you know, how the whole virus is kind of affecting things, it's just crazy how everyone's kind of locked down, you know, kind of being at home. A lot of folks, you know, just sitting at home, watching TV, doing, working from home when they can. A lot of people, I've been talking to a lot of different people, and, you know, they've just been kind of on this binge of watching movies or television shows. Um, a new, I'll ask you quickly, uh, while you're, while you're, you know, at kind of on this lockdown, is there any, as far as shows that you're watching that you want to recommend to anyone else, any movies, anything like that that you've got to caught up in or has have caught your eye, really? Uh, yeah, man. I mean, uh, I've just been watching, uh, I'm a big fan of Dick Wolf. So his shows FBI and FBI Most Wanted. I, you know, there's only one one season on one of them, and there's two seasons on the other. So I just kind of caught up on both of those. Um, in terms of movies, I'm just kind of really going back, like the old schools, whatever I haven't watched. I, I was mentioning to you guys before we aired uh, Street Fighter and then Tekken, Tekken 2, <laughs> and uh, the next Karate Kid, you know. So, Ooh, got him. Yeah. 
The, I mean, I've seen the next Karate Kid. I just watched that again. But Street yeah. Fighter and Tekken 2, I did not have, I didn't watch them. So I caught up and I was like, oh my God, I've been missing out for some years. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's funny. That's funny. Chris, I know you're a big movie buff. Anything that, you know, has caught your eye recently that you've either rewatched or watched new that, you know, that hasn't, you haven't seen before or anything that we should, the people should be checking out? Well, I knew first off, after stating all those movies, you are now dead to me. I will never come to you again for any advice <laughs> whatsoever. Um, <laughs> in, regards Sounds good. Shows, <laughs> in regards to shows, guys. I'll create a social distancing, right? <laughs> exactly. We just, yeah. We're good. Um, a couple great shows right now. If you're streaming services, you have Netflix. A great show called Ozarks. It's actually just had season three with Jason Bateman. The best acting in his career by far. The Netflix original. My man is amazing on that. And if you have some of the premium channels, I highly suggest Succession. Basically, uh, um, a little bit of a story of how Rupert Murdoch, one of the biggest media moguls in history, got started. A lot of backstabbing of family members, kids to kids, dad to kid, kid to dad. Phenomenal. And if you go the movie route, new movies, The Invisible Man. Phenomenal film. Phenomenal film. I highly suggest watching that. Uh, if you want to go old school, look at a little Billy Bob Thornton when he won the Oscar for Sling Blade. And that might be before most of our viewers listening time. Phenomenal, <laughs> dude. I will have to. I'm definitely gonna co-sign Ozark with you, dude. I'm on season two right now, so please don't ruin it for me or anyone else who hasn't seen it. But dude, I will definitely co-sign with you on Ozark. B Bateman is definitely on top of his game on that one. Um, and, and the Invisible Man, that's something I I was I, I saw the trailer for it. I might have to check that one out as well. Definitely, definitely. Um, let's get right into it. One of the main things I wanted to talk about this week, folks, is the premiere of ES the documentary done by ESPN and Netflix called The Last Dance, which features Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls from their 1997-98 championship run and some behind-the-scenes footage that this premiered uh, on last Sunday night, uh, the first few episodes of a 10-part series. Of course, we, as you know, uh, you guys all know, and most people listen know, I'm a huge, obviously, one of the biggest Michael Jordan fans there is, so I'm extremely excited for this. Can't wait to watch the next week. Um, kind of just wanted to take talk back a little bit just on the Bulls dynasty, just first and foremost, before we get to, like, really in the actual documentary itself. I mean, dude, six titles in eight years. Who knows what would have happened if Jordan hadn't retired, you know, and no, he came back in that, you know, that 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 uh, that one year like, he only played a couple a handful of games so he wasn't really in the groove so to speak but who knows what would have happened you know could they have taken out those Houston Rockets teams it would have been something to see extremely exciting i feel um but man just going from the first three peat to the second three peat it was different it was a little grittier and grindier back in the early 90s you know when basketball was tough the early 90s when you had the bad boys pistons and the celtics and the knicks you know used to have fights and things all the time that's when basketball was raw and that's what i loved basketball the most i gotta say um but going back to the second three peat era of the bulls dynasty it was just a little different it was a lot of outside game being involved with you had kukoc and kerr and guys like that um it was a just i guess a different time that the game was starting to develop a little bit differently but it was definitely fun to watch um obed your thoughts maybe kind of just reflecting on the bulls dynasty and maybe and as we can get in to talk about on jordan's greatness as well too yeah, Sherman. I, I again, much like you, a very large Jordan fan. Probably not as much as you because you donned him on your skin. But uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, uh, for me, kind of one of the earliest 
uh, experiences of me moving to America was kind of finding out what sports were big here. You know, you understand American rules football. And uh, you, I, I was happy to see that they had hockey here, which was the same as uh, as Canada, where I'd moved from. Um, didn't have international rules uh, football, uh, which is unfortunate. Probably why they have their own uh, sport called football. But uh, the Bulls, the Bulls were a worldwide sensation. When people are asked the question, like, was there anyone as world renowned as MJ? Yeah, the other MJ, Michael Jackson. You go to a small village and people didn't speak English, but they knew all the lyrics to his words. Much the same way that when Songs. Michael Jordan walked walked off of the, uh, the the tarmac at your local airport, it didn't matter if you knew English, you knew who he was. Um, I, I honestly just the the idea of dominance. You know, I, I've always tell people and, and you can take the bias on this from uh, me being a Patriots fan that that killer instinct, that will to win, that desire to always want to be on top, that just not take your foot off of the throat at starting from a young age and through the entirety of their career. You know, I, I saw it as Michael Jordan then passed the torch to to Tom Brady. You know, it's it's. Um, you and the beauty of this documentary is all the behind the scenes stuff that you just didn't get, didn't understand, didn't know about. Um, watching Michael Jordan as a young man at UNC, my goodness, I mean, the, you can just see the, the the seeds being sown of the greatness that was going to be there. And it, it's not until we get a chance to look back at these things some 20 some odd years later that just like, no, that he was about that. There was no other, there was no faltering, like he was going to be successful at the thing he put his mind to because uh, just like his coach said, uh, Dean Smith, he wanted to get better and he had the ability to get better. You know, I think that speaks a lot to uh, his acumen and intelligence, not just as an athlete, but his body, mind and body connection, right? To be able to tell my body, hey, I need to be able to make this move at this point. I need to be able to assess a situation and understand what my limitations are, how I fix those. And then the next time they see me, I'm going to be better than I was before. And I'm going to hurt them even more because he just loved imposing his will and dominance on people. He wanted to rip the heart out of every single opponent he faced. That was one of the ideal things that he possessed, that killer instinct, you know, um, and that was just something that was just great about Michael. Chris, I'll go over to you next here. Just quickly, kind of same thing where I mentioned to Obed, touch on just their Bulls dynasty overall and how you would like to elaborate on what you really reflect on Jordan's greatness. Well, really, you know, uh, uh, Obed kind of touched on it. I just want to kind of parlay off of that. Um, this is really the transition I'm talking about. I, I, I vaguely recall the, the first three, the first three Pete, but the second three Pete is when basketball really changed and became a show. It went from, you know, back in the days of, you know, when, when unfortunately the NBA championship finals between magic and bird were on a tape delay to, you know, you know, a couple hundred million dollar year revenue uh, industry to a billion dollar a year industry. Um, and it became a show. You had Rodman flying out to Vegas between finals games. You had, you know, these guys going out. They went to, you know, what was it, the the uh, the, the uh, spring uh, practice game where they flew overseas and Jordan comes out wearing a beret. Like, it became yeah, a In Paris. Show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, they became – they literally took the Showtime Lakers to an all – a whole other stratosphere. And that's what I remember about the Bulls team. It just became – the thing to watch versus a basketball team or basketball game. And it was all because of Michael Jordan. I mean, Jordan came along at the perfect time 
where basketball really needed that figure to take them to the next level. And to be honest, the reason basketball is where it is isn't just because of Jordan's greatness. Let's not forget it's because of Nike. Nike partnered with Jordan at the exact right time to mount what we all see as the emblem on the side of the Nike shoe, Jordan doing the dunk from the foul line, and became and globally made him not only the spokesperson of their brand, but the entire NBA. So my idea of greatness in Jordan is him high-flying, going through the air. And I have to say, you know, kudos to, to the Nike and David Stern, may he rest in peace, for his greatness and what he saw to take the league to a whole other level. Yeah, dude, I would definitely have to co-sign, <laughs> co-sign all of what you just said, especially just being this worldwide phenomenon, just everyone on the planet who knew who Michael Jordan was. You know, like like Obed kind of said, coming off the tarmac, you know, people didn't speak English, you know, but they knew Michael Jordan, you know. Um, Anu, quickly, I'll turn it over to you as we kind of transition to talk about the documentary, The Last Dance. Just your thoughts, just like, you know, whether it's on his greatness or the Bulls over Dynasty and what it kind of, how it kind of changed the game overall. How, or if, how, how do you think Jordan changed the game? He came back stronger, you know, and he, he played for what? 13 years out of 14 years you know, with the Bulls, but he took a you know 18-month hiatus, went to baseball, you know, just uh, his lifestyle really got to him, you know, which really forced the, the league's hand to, you know, tell him to tell him to underload. We'll find that out eventually, or if you read his books or you get into his other works in, on YouTube and other documentaries, you'll see that, um, you know, get to, they had to ask him to, you know, you know, eventually like, hey, take a hiatus, you know what I mean? And let things calm down, come back, and they just came back stronger and more but more uh, better than ever just like what these two guys have been saying man yeah it's just it's just great to kind of see like i think what christine said before you know the behind the scenes footage which are, which is really great you know just think speaking about the documentary itself i think it's something that we definitely needed right now i think when you guys or there was obedo alluded to that earlier you know being that we don't have sports right now because this wasn't actually set to premiere until until June, until after the finals actually was over. But the being that they they pushed it up because there's there is no basketball or anything on right now. So they say, hey, let's give it to the people now. I know I think it's a gonna really gonna tell you and really gonna show you what really kind of went on behind the scenes. Some things that we weren't really kind of um aware of. Speaking of, you know, um there was some you know beef between some of the players and the and the organization. But I, I kind of want to start at the beginning. I think Obed kind of mentioned it before, you know, how going going, going through North Carolina, you know, having interviews with his co- former coaches like Dean Smith and even Roy Williams, who is still co- coach now at North Carolina, but it was an assistant coach back then with Jordan. And they knew he was going to be great. Um, you know, being drafted number three overall behind Akeem Olajuwon and some, for some reason, Sam Bowie in Portland, <laughs> you know, I get, I think trailer blazers fans are still angry about that one. Um, but I guess, you know, they had Clyde Drexler. They didn't think they needed Michael Jordan because they had Clyde the Glide, you know. Um, Obed, you know, what are you? What are your thoughts, really, just on the documentary itself, and maybe just kind of re- kind of quickly recap episodes one and two, and your thoughts on what what went down. So I'll say overall, the documentary is is pretty well done, very lively, um, great behind the scenes footage, and then they, I think because they know that one of the central figures to this story in Jerry Krause is not here to defend himself, they really tried to be even handed in explaining things uh, from all sides. Uh, off off uh, screen, uh, Anu made a comment about uh, the juxtaposition of um, how much. Phil and Jerry had this this uh, you know falling out or at least this uh, um, dissension between the two of them. 
Uh, and really, it seems as though that the way Phil Jackson dealt with it was so out in the open. Like, I didn't know that he was that. He's just like, yeah, this is a situation. We had these these disagreements, whatever. And, you know, even when they talked to him about Scottie Pippen's uh, issue with his contract, he was just like, yeah, he thought that Scotty thought this was a way for him to get back. Uh, I understand that. You have to understand the mentality of a, baseball, a basketball player and just moved on. Um, I, I, I could imagine how cut and dry that was. Uh, excuse me. But... For me, I think that the documentary really opened our eyes to the idea that these people were dealing with so many more things than just all the glitz and glamour, right? The winning, winning is, a, and uh, who is it? Teddy Bruschi says this all the time, that winning covers up the stink, right? Winning covers up what happens behind the scenes that nobody is aware of, right? Like you, if you're not, if you didn't uh, watch the, Bulls intimately, especially those last three championships, and then get a chance to remember that uh, at one point, Robin missed a bunch of games because he kicked a photographer in the nuts, right? Like, you know, I can only imagine how they dealt with that Facts. in the back, right? Right, exactly. You don't see that. Um, uh, I think I think it was really well done. But yes, uh, the central figure there, Jerry Krause, um, who really is the catalyst for all of the things that we're going to discuss uh, and and how much of a very polarizing issue individual he was. I'm really excited to see that much come out of it uh, as far as the uh, the documentary goes as we go along here. Yeah, it's interesting. And you mentioned Jerry Krause, you know, people were giving him flag. At one point, you know, I, I'll admit, you know, I was I was not a fan of Jerry Krause. Um, back back then, you know, um, but I will give him credit where credit is due. Um, he's the one that drafted Scottie Pippen. He he uh, he got Horace Grant. He you know he traded for Bill Cartwright. You know things like that. You know, um, so I will give him some credit. But the fact of the matter is, he he was not there. He was not the one who drafted Michael Jordan. That was uh, Rod Thorne, the old GM of the Bulls. I think he kind of kind of resented that fact that he had put everything else together. Except for being Michael, from except for Michael Jordan bringing Jordan in, um, Chris, I'll go to you next here. Um, just give me your, your thoughts on like, that whole kind of, I guess, tumultuous kind of tension in between some of the players and Kraus, and you know, and just kind of quickly, just also still referencing on Jordan how he developed so quickly on his game. Yeah, overall, you know, I, I thought the uh, the documentary, like, to a best point, was well done. I, I didn't like how it kind of dumped all over timeline-wise. It was a little too jumpy for me. So from a from a choice of editing, transition, things of that nature, I really didn't follow it as well. Um, but overall, I, I think what you're saying, point, Sherman, is yes, there was a lot of tension going on, especially between Krauss um, and Scottie Pippen. Um, a lot of stuff going on there, obviously, because of uh, Pippen's contract situation. But, you know, really, if you look at it, um, when you're saying, yeah, Krause didn't draft Jordan, well, yeah, I mean, Jordan was the obvious pick at number three. Like we said, Hakeem the Dream was going number one overall no matter what, no matter how great Jordan was in college. And then Sam Bowie did go uh, number two overall because they needed a big. So Jordan was the obvious number three overall pick no matter what GM was putting in there. Um, Jordan looked at it to this point that he said, all right, I'm going to carry this team. I'm obviously the most talented player on this team by far. By far. But he realized, like you said, in those early 90s um, teams and the way basketball was back then, he needed to put on some size. He was getting pushed around, beat up. Larry Bird said it best. He's like, I don't know how he survived. So once he learned to put on some some size in him and he got a weight training regimen put in, that is when you really saw, um, in, in, my po- in my opinion, excuse me, uh, Mike go from Mike Jordan to Michael Jordan. It wasn't back in North Carolina. That's when he became Michael Jordan because he just started – dominating the league after that 
put each other. He asked these whole people put some spec on his name, basically, is <laughs> what he said. <laughs> you know, um, I knew I'll go over to you next. Um, you know, and really in these first two episodes of the documentary, they really tried. They really highlighted, you know, the tension between uh, Phil Jackson as well, the head coach, and Jerry Krause. Um, even uh, uh, Pippen and Jerry Krause as well too. I mean, I mean, Phil. This is a guy that Phil Jackson was coaching in the ABA before he came over to the Bulls, and I don't, be- I don't believe uh, Krause wanted. You know, they really wanted him. This is a guy that nobody wanted, and they brought him in. But uh, I think, excuse me, I think Krause did get him there. But it just kind of got got worse and worse over time. And the fact of the matter is, when when you went from a, a guy saying that. Even if you win 82 games this year, you're not coming back next year. To me, I, that's mind blowing to me. A <laughs> uh, new kind of quickly speak on the kind of this little beef between the two guys and Kraus, if you don't mind. Yeah, man, it's something that just like with you know, it's, I, look, if you're not good with Jordan, how are you gonna be good with a coach, right? Because that with Jordan, it started what I think like right in '86. Since '86, it you know that tension started with Jerry Kraus and Jordan. So Jordan and and Phil Jackson, they go hand in hand. Right. So if you got if you got issues with one player, now you're going to have issue with the next person who's associated next to him. So if you're taking away um, Phil Jackson, you're taking away, jo- you know, what I'm saying you take away Jordan or vice versa. You know what I mean? So that tension it has was was only rising. All right. And that, that, that obviously led um, the dismantle of the team. And that was just a, and it, it was more because of a, a, um, a power front for Jerry Krause. You know, mm. to make it a, to make it a point that it's corporations over coaches, players, or anything, or uh, over anybody. So that's why. But now we, you know, obviously the game has transitioned, and you know, I don't think we'll get back to that in a you know long time from now. In terms it, it's, of it's it's. Uh, yeah, it's just Obed. You wanted to get jump in here. Yeah, I just wanted to jump in. I I have to completely agree with him. I mean, you know, you you look at the. We've seen this watching this documentary. Now I always got to make a, a Patriots point about it. I see a lot of the situations the Patriots are dealing with now. Right, you're looking at a team that has a very limited amount of cap space, aging players, but you have one of the best players in the game who almost guarantees that you're going to be in it at the end of the season every time. Right, what are you trying to do? I I, I will say that. Uh, Jerry Krause just did guys dirty. I mean, it's so hard for me to say that, that you know, in a game where, uh, excuse me, a business where the goal is to try to manage your roster, manage your salaries, and then be competitive. Uh, you know, he, he obviously, one, we know he didn't do it the right way because you robbed Scottie Pippen. You robbed Scottie Pippen, and he gave you some of the best years that he had. And you knew his situation. One, I mean, I, I don't even know how you can look at his his agent and believe that you went into an in, a, a meeting with your client and his uh, his boss, and you gave a deal that so heavily favored the organization over the player, and the organization took it and ran with it. There, there is no bulls without Scottie Pippen, right? It, it, Jordan himself said, "Do not speak Michael Jordan if you will not speak Scottie Pippen." Right. And that and to think that you never even. So he signs it in 91, a seven year, 18 million dollar extension, seven year, 18 million dollar extension. That's ridiculous. Um, and so you're telling me after the first three super, excuse me, that's all I call them Super Bowls, first <laughs> three championships, you didn't think to try to keep the peace by coming to the table and rewarding him. You didn't even want to reward him. You just assumed he was going to come in here and and honestly slave for you for these next few years with no recourse whatsoever. I mean, I, 
Right. And dude, it's, it's crazy to me. And Chris, I was actually going to mention this to you because it's almost like, I know you're, 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 you're a Steelers Steelers fan. It's almost like, you know, the Steelers were kind of our similar organization where they don't renegotiate. This is your contract. You come to us when your contract is up, you know, kind of like some, you know, we see in football, people renegotiate contracts all the time. Look at, or or people hold out. Look what happened a couple of years ago with with Ezekiel Elliott last year, holding out, getting, getting paid. Look what happened. Le'Veon Bell took off a year and got paid. I'm just, the fact that, you know, and I, I get it. Reinsdorf told him it's not a good deal. Don't sign it. But if you do, don't come yell. Don't come crying to me. But the fact that Obed was saying, you know, reward somebody for their success, for for their contribution. I get it. Chris, I mean, why just I, maybe it's the principle of it, you know, but why couldn't Reinsdorf say, dude, you're so underpaid? And we all everyone knew he was. Why couldn't he just, just say, you know what, dude, I'm sorry. Let's let's work something out together. Well, a couple of points to your, to your point, Obed, you were saying, uh, you know, your job is to construct a team, um, put them in the best position to win, et cetera, and so forth. Um, six championships in eight years, I think is doing that. So I think he did a very good job as a GM actually. And you know what? I understand, you know, we all are on the player side, majority of the time, myself included. I, I think that the guys did him dirty too. You know, here's the thing. If you want to demand respect, you have to give respect. And I'll be honest, those first two episodes, of this documentary did not put the players in a very good light in the way they che- treated Jerry Krause. Uh, joking with him about saying, Hey Jerry, you want to come out there and dunk with us? Oh, we'll have to, you know, have to lower that rim for you, buddy. Uh, Scotty Pippen was verbally screaming and assaulting verbally malicious things from the back of the bus to the guy who is your boss, the guy who isn't the one writing the paycheck, but he's the guy that's right under the one that's writing your paycheck. And the way they treated him is completely horrific. So I think that needs to be taken into account. And to your point, Sherm, about the actual um, the uh, agreement that was signed, yes, we all look at it and we know 122nd player paid and arguably the second best player in the NBA at the time. We get it. But here's the thing. Sherman, what do you do for a living? I have a job. I work. Of course, exactly. I have a job. Okay. And, and you get paid what, what you, I don't care what you get paid, but you get paid what someone is willing to pay you. That is your work. So he got paid what his worth was at the time of the contract that he signed. Could had it have been renegotiated because of the explosion of the NBA during the 90s? Absolutely. Should it have been? Those are two different things. And like you said, ownership looking said, do not sign this. But he wanted to do the right thing to get the guaranteed money for him and his family to take care of himself at the time. So do I understand and empathize with Scottie Pippen's feelings? Yes. Do I think that Jerry Krause or ownership is necessarily should be chastised for sticking to their guns? Absolutely not. Uh, Anu, do you feel bad for Pippen, you know, getting this deal and not being able to renegotiate at any point in time? Absolutely. I mean, look, he was trying to secure himself, right? And I go with Obey. You know, he was he. You know, you have to go and reward. And uh, in terms of Chris, what you're saying, like, you know, he should he should have fend for himself. And in terms of giving that respect, you know, not and not call him out on the bus and in, in front of the team. Back in the '90s, the mindset was to, you know, it was it was it was it right like right now. It's it's a. Uh, you know the, the power play between the corporation and the players it's it's friendly let, and let's become friends right like let, let's let's try to team up together before it was one versus the other it was corporation versus the players so you they, they couldn't come to themselves if anybody had to come to them said their senses was the corporation because they have the bigger mindset they have a better understanding they're, they're more you know they're 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 on the outside of the box the players are inside the box right so they got to come and be like let's give that respect 
and then let's possibly get it. The players aren't going to come and say, okay, let me give that respect, especially back in those days that that mindset wasn't there, right? When it, when it's like, you know, me against them, it's like war, you know, it's like war, even though they're on the same team, but it's... it's, it's How does like, that work out for you at your job? How does that work out for you at your job if you yell at your boss from the back of the bus and yell him, mother effer this, effing shorty this, trogue this? How would that work out for you? That's my question. You've got to look at the timeline, though. We're those, And just to the point that you That's said you I'm didn't like out. when it jumped it out, right? You, you're talking about them going at this guy at the beginning of the 90s after Jerry Krause has already sullied Michael Jordan and tried to get him to not play so that they could have a better draft pick in 86 and then sullied the coach by saying that, hey, uh, it's it's not just players and coaches that win championships. And the operative word being alone is the reason. I, I think that that's him trying to clean up a soundbite because there are already, Reisersdorf already said that this is a guy who rubbed people the wrong way. He used to be uh, the, the GM for the White Sox, and a bunch of people came to Reisendorf and said, don't work with this guy. Avoid this guy. He, we, he was already yeah. getting red flags that this guy is a problem, and the way he does things is not fair to people. You're Whether right. That's it's- strong business moves and, and, and you know sound business to some people, fine. But he that was the after effect of the fact that this guy already said that your coach didn't matter, that the players don't matter. I can move around whoever I want to. And that's wrong. Right. The, the, I think one of the things that some teams forget or some people forget is that when you have one thing, that means you don't have to worry about anything to Bill Belichick's going to find out next year that when you don't have to worry about where the passes are going and when somebody's going to make a play for you on offense, how hard it is for you to manage an entire team when really you've only had to make sure the defense was good and make sure the offense had pieces. If you have a guy like Jordan, you just got to start putting the right pieces around him. That's the, the, the Dan Gelbert uh, uh, mistake. He didn't understand that he had LeBron. And all he had to do was put players around him. Better. Yeah, it's funny. I agree with you. Where, where, where Jerry Reinsdorf, where people were coming to him, telling him about Krauss, like, don't, don't work with this guy. But Reinsdorf brought him in anyway. You know, and you mentioned kind of Dan Gilbert, you know, building the pieces around him. Like I said, I, I give I will give credit, like as I mentioned before, credit to Krauss for building the pieces inevitably, you know, that helped them win championships. I get that. But the fact of the matter is, Chris, I, and I also get, Chris, what you're saying too. Yeah, most of us can't go to our employers and start cursing them out and yelling at them and things like that. We'll probably be out of a job totally get what you're saying there but you know when you're in a this kind of this kind of job where you're 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 playing a sport for a living and you know what i mean and you know it's kind of laid back and keel you know most employers even even still most football players or basketball players or whatever can't necessarily do that and get away with it chris you know i, I will excuse me to your point yes i will i will say you're probably right on that but the fact of the matter is that I don't I don't believe like this is just my own opinion. I don't believe Jerry Krause legitimately respected them at them at that point either. So you know what? They said screw it, we're not going to respect you either. I think that's what this is just my own opinion, of course. I really that's what it boiled down to. And they and the players knew he didn't and that's why they kind of turned it around and said, "You know what? We're going to do whatever. We're the ones out here grinding every single day and screw it. You want to have this man on this team because they were really talking about rebuilding at that point. And and why? They were winning. Why would they need to rebuild when they were winning? You know? And the fact that, and then the fact that they wanted to get rid of Phil Jackson even at the at the night in 97, they were thought, they were thinking about trading Pippen and getting rid of Phil Jackson. They almost got rid of Phil Jackson in 97. But they kept him on, and then they signed him to that one-year deal. And again, he he told Phil, you can win every game. You're not coming back. And Michael Jordan flat out said, if Phil ain't here, deuces, holla for a dollar, I'm out. You know what I mean? 
So my biggest I'll, I'll concern bet. with that, yeah. Sherman, the biggest concern with that is that how he did that. And this is again another point of his personality type and the lack of respect. The first person that Kraus goes and says that to is the media. Oh well, yeah, we brought him back. We brought him back, but this is his last year. Who are you talking to like that? You, we are the reason that you even have a household name. Nobody would know who Jerry Krause was if Jordan and, and these guys don't do what they do. So why are you in the media? If, if a player goes to the media and starts complaining about a, a contract dispute, that's a problem. That Look at Yannick Ngakwe is on Twitter right now blasting the, the uh, Jaguars, and people are just like, this is terrible uh, for, his, for his outlook. But Jerry Krause, by, by your definition, Chris, Jerry Krause can come out here and say all this nonsense about these guys over and o- almost falling over his own feet, cursing out his players in the diplomatic sense in the media, and that's okay. He's created a bed for himself, and if they're going to treat him like dick, I mean, that's kind of what he's asking for. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. No, no, no. I, you're, you're what I'm saying, but you were saying, you know, you, your part of your job is to assemble a team, do that, do this, and do that. I think he did that magnificently in, in, in that regards, to doing his job in that way. To your point, Sherm, you know what? Yes, at the end of the day, this was children being children, and it's on the player side. It's on ownership and leadership side. Everyone was kind of acting like a child with this. I don't think Kraus respected the players. That's obvious. But at the same time, the players from the time, like you were saying, back as early as the 86 season, this tension between Jordan and Kraus was going on. So is there things Kraus did wrong? Absolutely. But your leader, a young leader at that time, and Michael Jordan, the 86 season, only entering into his third year, is obviously the leader should be setting more of a stature. This is the way, you know, this is, this is, you know, the, the ceiling is the roof, as Jordan always says, <laughs> um, you know, this is the statue of which we, you know, and, and you, to a bed, your point, this is the Patriot way. Jordan didn't show a lot of leadership in that regards to how they were going to handle management and handle leadership, which actually would have been advantageous to him. Pippen and others that came along to have more negotiating leverage down the road if more leadership from the player side would have been shown. Now, again, I'm not saying Krause is right, but to say the players are, 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 are completely, you know, not the culprits here at all, that's completely asinine. No, I, I, I don't think – I wouldn't say that you know, they're not a culprit at any point in time. But yeah, they have to do with it as well too. But I'm just yeah. saying I think it just goes – it goes hand in hand. I think it goes it's, – it's from both sides. I don't – we should just put it all on the players just for, you know, like you said, Pippen berating him on the bus and things like yeah. that. I think it's it, it's from an entire aspect. You know, uh, Anu, did you want to jump in here? I think you were trying to. Sorry about that. Go ahead. No, you're good. Okay. Um, But, I mean, it's just – it's just something to like really kind of think about. Like you said, it's what would have happened if Kraus had kept them together? How, how much longer, well, yeah, I'll, I'll go back to your new look. How much longer do you think that they could have possibly went in? Now, Jordan was what in his, what, I think what late th- mid or mid thirties when he, um, at the, after that, after that last season, I believe he's what 34. Um, and Pippen was maybe what 31 at the time, 30, 32. How much longer do you think this team could have gone and asked and been successful and knew really with, if Krause decided to really keep the entire team together, including Phil Jackson, could they have won one more? Could they have won two more? Could they have won five more? What do we really think that it would have, would have happened if they stayed together? I think if they would have stayed together, the wheels would have fell off in minimum two years time. And of that being two two years from the time, you know, obviously 98, so in 2000, I think they would have won the next year as well. So it would have been a four P. 
and then they would have got, you know, really tired because they were already tired at that point. You know what I'm saying? That's the second three P. You win the sixth championship, sixth championship, and I mean, it just it just takes a lot of toll on you, everybody. You know what I'm saying? Day in, day in, day out. So to me, I would say two years till the wheels fall off, and I think they get the very next year as well. Yeah, and it's funny as you're saying being got tired. The last three, those last three championship seasons, Jordan played all 82 games each year. Exactly. You know, and, and so yeah, there was definitely going to be. But man, you, you kind of mentioned 2000 there quickly. There, a new. Um, imagine what it would have been like with those Bulls against those Lakers, Shaq with Shaq and Kobe, Jordan and Pippen. That that would have been something to see. I, I gotta admit, and uh, Chris, I'm sure you would have enjoyed it too. Um, could we just quickly just touch on that as I just kind of brought that up right now? Quickly just touch on what do you think would have happened between those Bulls and and those Lakers? I mean, at that time, Sherm, uh, I mean, Shaquille O'Neal was just starting to really enter his prime, uh, the most dominant force we've ever seen in basketball, and that includes LeBron James, that includes Will Chamberlain, and a young, hungry Kobe Bryant. Um, honestly, to be, to be honest, to your point of view, I, I, don't, I don't even think it would have been a, a series. I, I think it would have been five, six games max. Uh, that Lakers team would have beaten the Bulls. I mean, the guys didn't keep themselves in the type of shape that they do now. Like, we all saw cigars on the buses drinking, you know, between games, going to Vegas. I mean, it was a different world, guys. So, I mean, you know, the, mad, that's what, <laughs> is that what it's all about, though, dude? <laughs> I'm saying the cryotherapy chambers or, you know, the Tom Brady, I sleep in a velvet vest or whatever he sleeps in. I mean, the players didn't take care of themselves the same way. So to be honest, I, I think those Lakers teams would have whooped up on the Bulls, and that's unfortunate. That would have been unfortunate to see. Yeah, dude. I, I will touch on one other thing quickly in the documentary as we as we head out here. Um, Jordan was asked by the interviewer about the traveling cocaine boys. Um, I thought that was quite interesting. Uh, <laughs> Obed. I mean, luckily he didn't partake in those 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 festivities. You know, he stayed on kind of on the on the right path. Um, yes, yes. I, you know, early on. <laughs> you know, I mean, are we going to be seeing? Or it looks like we might be seeing a couple more of these kind of uh exclusive type of activities that might have been happening you know i'm 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 interested in just kind of seeing you know hearing about some of these stories how, how about you uh, i mean listen if they shine light on the flu game and it's actually that jordan was at the roulette or the poker table till seven eight o'clock in the morning and was just hung over from partying all night and wasn't actually the <laughs> flu we're gonna find out we're gonna find <laughs> out um and i will say this to, to the point about the lakers i mean we i would love to go into the full revisionist history let's go back let's say they take care of uh, Scotty Pippen, right? So Scotty's healthy and hungry. He wants to keep playing. Maybe there isn't a reason for Jordan to go play baseball, right? Maybe he sticks around and they go through. Because if you look at them leading up to uh, that uh, season, those two seasons, they won 57 and 55 games. Uh, or excuse me, they won 55 and 47 games. And then when Jordan came back in 95, 96, they won 72 games out of 82 play. He was so fresh that I feel like Pippen taking those three months off and Jordan going into full on put the entire team in my back mode that just wore him down, just wore down what age he still had left in him in his 30s. Uh, that probably maybe could have extended into a strong like one more championship after that. Um, you don't know. I mean, maybe they invest. They try to find some other guys. You, you draft differently, right? Do you, as you try to because uh, Steve Kerr leaves, goes to another team in the uh, in the San Antonio Spurs and wins championships with them, 
right? So obviously Steve Kerr's got a little juice back in him. Tony Kukoc went over to, off to the uh, Sacramento Kings. That was a team that was uh, challenging for the uh, the West Crown all those years. He still had some legs in him. You know, I feel like there was a chance that they could have kept this together. And if certain decisions had been made at certain times, maybe you see these guys in a better in a better light than uh, to a news point. It was the players against the teams and the teams are running the players into the ground and not thinking about using, you know, having a partnership with them for a long time. It's just like, oh, I'm going to get a good six, seven years out of them. I'm going to run that horse into the ground and send it to the glue factory afterwards versus what you look at some teams doing now, even with players taking care of themselves, right? The teams are managing these individuals a lot better so that you can have a long duration because these are guaranteed contracts we're talking about here now. Mm-hmm. Quickly, one more thing, actually, I wanted to touch on. Anu, I'll go to you just just quickly here on this. Do you blame Scottie Pippen at all for having that foot surgery late in, into the end of that year and in not, not doing it earlier? It's just a matter of perspective and what angle, you, you know, you talk from, you know, you come at it from. Um, so really, I think yes and no. And if I was to choose a side, if I'm him in his shoes, no. From the outside, yeah, of course, just like Jordan said. Right. He was being selfish. He wasn't thinking about the team. So because your commitment is really to the team. I mean, because you're on a team. Right. So as a player. Right. Yes. But as as a person. No. As a person who just has a job. Right. No. We all probably would have done that. Right. But That's as right. a player. If, if See, Jordan was a team player for, or, or he was a winning player. So the winningness in him made him a team player. Right, because it, it it got him away from greediness and selfishness, away and, and more about the team aspect. Like that's something that Kobe Bryant had to learn eventually, and it took a little bit longer than Jordan. But you know, Jordan relied on his on his teammates more, right? But you know, Scotty and Scotty didn't have to go through that. You know, so that's why he was able to still kind of be in that selfish role a little bit more. You know what I mean? So it yeah, just depends I, on the angle. I got I got you, man. I I feel you. yeah. It's definitely wherever which way you want to look at it. But yeah, um, yeah it, I, I totally understand. But, uh, folks, I think that's going to do it for us this week here on What's the Word Entertainment. Um, we appreciate you guys joining in for this uh, special. We'll be back to our regular scheduled programming uh, later this next week. Uh, I think we got we got the uh, Pro Football Draft coming up. We'll be, Obedo and I will be back at it once again discussing that. Uh, Obedo, any uh, last words for the people here as, as we head out? Stay safe. Wash your hands. Make sure you drink a lot of tea. Keep your fluids up. Take care of yourself. Uh, know that we will get through this together more than apart. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Anu and Chris, we thank you guys for joining us once again. Glad to have you back. We will definitely uh, keep in touch as well, too. Uh, America, as Obed said, stay safe. Do what you got to do. Stay indoors. You know, hope we'll definitely get through this. But um, don't forget to check us out on SoundCloud.com slash What's the Word Entertainment. And, of course, on Twitter at the W-W-E-N-T. Uh, for Anu, Chris, and Obed, I am Sherm. We will catch you guys next time. Peace. Peace.